Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their clients the right insurance, the best price. And customer service means everything to them. These are great people. I mean, just year-round, these great people who are just really great professionals. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We are in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Patrick Mahomes takes it to the house right before the end of the half. Mahomes. Moving to his left laterally, chased, holding it, and gets out of bounds and up the sideline. He's not out of bounds yet. He's at the 10, inside the 10, he dives for the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. A remarkable acrobatic scramble on a 27-yard run. Maybe the best play yet of Patrick Mahomes' incredible young career. You know what I thought was incredible about that? Okay, I really like smart players, which sometimes were in short supply. All right, he went down the sideline. He cut it back to the inside. Why? Because he was smart enough to know that he had two timeouts remaining. They could down him at the one. He could call a timeout. Right? No need to go out of bounds there. No need. All right? Smart. He knew exactly what he was doing. That's the first time, by the way, in Chiefs or Dallas Texans history that they have won a championship game at home in 60 years. When they beat the Oilers in the AFL championship game in the sixth quarter, the game was at Houston. When they beat the, when they got the Super Bowl one, they won at Buffalo. When they got the Super Bowl four, they won at Oakland. All right, Russell Baxter, ProFootballGuru.com joins us. Russell, welcome. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year, sir. How are you? Happy New Year. It's great to have you with us. Uh, it's just my feeling, and I'd really like to get your opinion because I respect it so much. I think this is the best matchup the NFL can ask for in its 100th season. Uh, yeah, there was obviously a lot of nostalgia and, to some degree, conspiracy theories um, <laughs> that the NFL... And I'm, I'm trying to do the math here, okay? Yeah. The NFL wanted... The NFL wanted... If you read some people right, they wanted a rematch of Super Bowl one yes. for the 100th anniversary. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Right. So how would the 54th Super Bowl correlate with the start of the NFL in 1920? Can someone do the math for me, please? Well, it would have been a team in the 100th year, Green Bay. With the AFL 60th year in Dallas slash Kansas City. (laughs) I just found it. I mean, some people, I swear to God, some people must have the monopoly on tinfoil. I know. When they come up with with this stuff. Uh, Yeah, this is a great matchup. 
It also would it also would have done something the first Super Bowl wouldn't have done. It would have sold out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and it also would have done something the first Super Bowl would have done. It would have been on shown by one network. Right. Which, if you remember, CBS and NBC both did Super Bowl one. That's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a in really intriguing matchup because you have a team that is finally, especially after last year, Steve, learn how to play complementary football. All those right. points that the Kansas City Chiefs scored last year didn't do them a hell of a lot of good, especially no. when you're giving up 421 points, which would have been the most ever by a Super Bowl champion had they gotten there and won. That right. number went from 421 to 308 this year for the Kansas City Chiefs, and a lot of that on the back end. Uh, and even though they've kind of gotten off the slow starts these last two weeks in the playoffs, um, it's interesting. By halftime, they had regained the lead and held on to the lead. So um, I like the way Andy Reid's team is playing. They look less frantic. They look less panicked. That being said, they're playing against the San Francisco team that looks like the team we saw the first seven games of the year and not the rest of the season when their defense was banged up and got exposed a little. And that pass rush, people were taking advantage of that pass rush, if you really think about it. Um, running the football at them, uh, watching them blow by the, the 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 quarterback while the running back went off. And San Francisco, for people don't realize, they were second in the league in total defense, first against yeah. the pass, but a mediocre 17th against the run. So, um, but they've rectified that. And boy, did they talk about you want to talk about celebrating a Super Bowl anniversary? That game yesterday was like watching Super Bowl seven and Super Bowl eight. Oh, I know. It's Bob Greasy. That's why I've been referring to Jimmy Bob Greasy Garoppolo all day. Yeah. Six of seven and eight of 11. Yeah. Were Bob Greasy stats in those Super Bowls. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo was six of eight. And listen, let, let's be honest. Jimmy Garoppolo, who hasn't put, you know, I was making this point to somebody earlier today, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think Patrick Mahomes has actually started more games than Jimmy Garoppolo even though Jimmy Garoppolo was in the league three years earlier than he was. Um, you know, he was the backup. Um, he got a chance to start the first two games in 2016 when Tom Brady was suspended. He got hurt in the second game. Um, he got hurt uh, last year, ironically enough, at Kansas City in week three when he went running out of bounds and uh, injured his ACL and so on. So there's a lot of tie-ins. There's a lot of irony here. Um, and that's what makes the Super Bowl uh, so much fun. And I'll throw one out for you early here. Um, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Now, that's quite the pair of tight ends, wouldn't you say? Uh, uh, no question. And no tight end has ever been named Super Bowl MVP. Even though Dan Ross caught 11 passes against the Niners one year. Um, the uh, It's interesting because uh, I saw Kittle play at Against Penn, because obviously I broadcast the Penn State games. So I saw right. Kittle play against Penn State. Russell, he was another guy. I mean, seeing what he's doing in the NFL now compared to what I saw in college, it's like I'm watching two different players. Right. Well, it's just amazing how, and, 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 and one of the guys who, you know, kind of went unnoticed and so on and uh, get into the pro scene and all of a sudden blossom. Um, right, the right guy at the right time. You know, what was funny about last year with the 49ers, who, by the way, tied, tied for the third most turn, biggest turnaround 
in league history. When you go from four wins to 13 wins, that's a plus nine. Okay? The two biggest turnarounds uh, in NFL history were plus 10. That was the 07 to 08 Dolphins and the 98 to 99 Colts, um, who, who won 10 more games. But you think about where the Niners, correct me, I want to say this off the top of my head, the previous four years, I'm sorry, the previous five years, Jim Harbaugh's last year, and yep. then the parade of coaches and Shanahan's. This was a team that went from 25 and 55 to now yep. being about 15 and three and on the way to the Super Bowl. It's unreal. It's unreal. And, and as for Kansas City, you talk about how they're playing calmer, Russell. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think part of that is, to me, and again, I want to find out what you think. Tyron Matthew, to me, is a poor man's. Okay, poor man's, but still that kind of Troy Polamalu X factor guy, where you've got to account for him in every play. And I think they were smart in picking up Suggs when they did because they gave him one guy, extra guy off the edge, and I think it's allowed them to play more comfortable because now they can defend it more comfortably. I think that's a great point, and it, it, I don't think there's any question about Tyran Matthews' athleticism. Um, and, and listen, when he was. He was a safety who basically played cornerback when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, and then he went yes. to the Texans, and they really wanted to concentrate on safety. He's a really a hybrid player. And, um, again, Kansas City's defense for the last couple of years, uh, their inability to stop the run, you even saw it earlier in the year. Um, you know, when they were 6-4, and four, and you saw teams like the Texans and the Titans uh, take advantage of them. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, all these years of Bob Sutton in the 3-4 and all the sacks, and we still can't get it done, and now we bring in Steve Spagnuolo, and we still can't get it done, and then something clicked, and the, the pieces start to fall into place. They did, they did a lot of work on that defense, and it's really kind of come into its own. It's far from dominant, okay, but it is a significantly better than it was a year ago. And, again, Anytime you're counting on one entity to carry a team, okay? Oh, can't do now, it in this league. We've seen, we've seen the league, we've seen leagues where and seasons where the defense was able to do that. The 2015 Broncos, the 2000 right. Ravens. But you've got to be really, really exceptional, Steve, to pull that off. We've seen a ton of exceptional performances from quarterbacks. We've seen a ton of profes- uh, superb performances by offenses in general. But, you know, the fact is this. The 12 highest-scoring teams in the NFL in terms of points in the season don't have a Super Bowl trophy. That's right. Uh, It's interesting, too, is that it's amazing how one final play of the regular season kept the Niners from going on the road three times to get here instead of being at home twice. Well, yeah, and that's what this – I mean, that's what the modern NFL is. You know, I hear a lot of criticism – on Green Bay and squeaking by, squeaking by. Well, I mean, the Patriots made a a, a dynasty out of winning Super Bowls by field goals. Exactly okay? right. Exactly, exactly right. Who cares what the final score is? No. Okay? I mean, are, are you going to – listen, they're going to hand you the Lombardi and take it away from you because you finished second in the power rankings? I mean, right. the silliness. Um, you are what you are. But you look at what San Francisco did early in the year and what they've done in the playoffs. They've gotten their ferocity back. They run the ball relentlessly. 
Um, yep. You know, that was Green Bay's shortcoming. They brought in those pass rushers. They brought in Adrian Amos, but they still didn't learn how to stop the run. It was evident yeah. early in the year when Philadelphia went up there and pushed yeah. them around physically. So um, this is such a I, – I love the matchup because you really have a trench matchup on both sides, especially that San Francisco young defensive line with all those first-round picks against Kansas City. And it's, let's, let's really cut to the Jason as far as I'm concerned. This is a retribution Super Bowl for two individuals, the head coach. Andy Reid has been waiting his turn. He's gotten to the Super Bowl before. He's the seventh head coach to two different teams. We know what happened with the Eagles. But let's not forget the last time Kyle Shanahan was coaching. Oh, I know. Yep, the uh, disastrous fourth quarter where they couldn't move it and then standing helplessly watching Tom Brady win the coin toss and move. Well, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and ironically, you know, watching the game yesterday, which Green Bay may have made him a little nervous and so on, especially yeah. when it became 34-20. Right. And all I'm thinking is watching their game plan is, you know, for those people who accuse Kyle Shannon Han of not running the football enough in the second half of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, I think he made up for that in spades yesterday. Yeah, big time. And he kept – and do you know what? In this era where everybody wants to show, quote, how smart they are, Mm-hmm. With a with a look how wide open our playbook is, right. I felt like he checked everything in at the door yesterday and said, "That's working, that's working, that's working," and we're going to keep doing it, doing it, and doing it. And they kept going essentially to the same package of plays over and over again, and there was no right. need to go off of them. Well, they took advantage. Listen, they played Green Bay twice and scored thirty-seven points in each game. Yep. Okay. And that, that, you can't beat that kind of consistency. They knew. They Unless knew. you're Seattle and you beat the Eagles 17 9 twice in one season. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And in this day and age, you're putting up these electrifying numbers through the air. You look at where Tennessee, where was Tennessee yesterday uh, without Derrick Henry down the stretch? And you look at the 49ers basically all year because of their running game. Um, and doing it wouldn't – I mean, they t- lost him and Coleman got hurt yesterday. Um, and they, they ran for 285 yards, one of the biggest totals in the postseason game in NFL history. And most are, ran for 220, the second most behind Eric Dickerson's 248 in 1985. Right. And now you talk about getting guys back because the Niners at one point were banged up. Boy, I felt that extra week allowed them to get got Quan Alexander back. And I just mm-hmm. I looked at him and I said, now there's that one extra yep. guy that you have good players, but sometimes there's one that throws you over the top. I kind of felt he was the guy that threw their defense back over the top again. Now, am I wrong about that? No, I don't think you're wrong about it at all because I think he was a very underrated player uh, in Tampa Bay. Um, and underrated might be the wrong word. Uh, he was a quality player on a team that just – doesn't make the playoffs, unfortunately. So sometimes right. you kind of get buried. You know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2007. So right. good defensive players kind of get lost in the wash over there. I mean, Levante Davids had a terrific career for them. Um, and, and obviously Gerald McCoy was there for a long time and a perennial pro bowler. But still, you didn't talk about them as much as you would think for guys who were extremely talented, but on a, a, a team with the second longest playoff drought in the league right now. So, no. Um, and, and San Francisco, 
you know, there are a lot of teams that use it to buy for different reasons. Um, yeah. And more important, and I say that for this reason, but sometimes they use week 17 for the buy. Right. And I don't think that's the wisest thing. I San agree Francisco, with you. And I understand San Francisco needed that to play that week and so on. But, um, you know, I think it came back and bit Baltimore in the, in, in the worst way. Yeah, because they had several guys, including the quarterback, they're off 19 days. You're not off 19 days in the NFL. You're off a bye week once, so you're used to it, but not that. i got to ask you one question because I thought you threw wrote a really thoughtful article on a guy that grew up here in State College. Matt Rule is a State College guy uh, who then ended up, after going to State College Area High School, walked on at Penn State, then earned himself a scholarship. Now he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. In the history of that franchise, this is the first time they've gone to the offensive side of the ball for a, yeah. for a head coach. What kind of difference can that make? Well, I think it makes a, a, a big difference because it's, it's a it's an overall change. And you're talking about it, and, and I know Ron Rivera and to a degree Cam Newton, Steve got a lot of guff for this. Um, but you're talking about a franchise that's never had back-to-back winning seasons. That's right. And they've been in existence 25 years. It's not a yeah. Ron Rivera number. It's a franchise number. Yes. And, um, you know, it, I think it speaks to the owner who wanted to come in and maybe change things around a little in terms of the culture. The thing that's disappointing the last couple of years with Ron Rivera, and I think he's an outstanding head coach. But their defense really let them down. I know Cam Newton was hurt, but you look at their defense the last couple of years. Look at their defense this year, what happened, okay? Um, you know, horrendous against the run. I, I did my, you know, next to the last, well, I'm sorry, the final regular season power rankings. And even though they didn't have the best record in the league, they, they free-falled. I put them dead last at yeah. 32. Because of the way they were playing, even though they finished with five wins, and um, you know, like I said, bringing in a fresh, fresh approach, um, and bringing in a, a totally new culture—if you really think about it—it's uh, it, sometimes very good for a franchise. And the other connection too is Joe Brady, who was a grad assistant here at Penn State in fifteen and sixteen. So great, I you know, so I know the staff. All right, so, <laughs> well, I, so you're going to be doing. That sounds, you know, it almost sounds like the Wizard of Oz. Lions and Panthers, oh my. <laughs> we'll find out. But at least there are connections, and you got more connections than I do. So, <laughs> Russell, always a pleasure. Your insight is gold to us. Thanks so much. You got it, sir. Enjoy the rest of the – well, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll yeah, be we'll, here we'll before you know it. And we'll talk soon again, I, we hope, very much. You got it. Russell Baxter, ProFootballGuru.com. He does great work. Great work. We will come back with uh, more in a moment. Matt Catrillo will break down the Eagles draft. Bob Buner will break down the Redskins draft. And Kevin Herr will break down where the million dollars went in Danville. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay, ESPN has released the votes, the Hall of Fame votes for their seven writers that have votes. Uh, Derek Jeter got all seven. Barry Bonds got five votes out of the seven. Omar Vizquel got five. Larry Walker got five. Roger Clemens got four. Scott Rowland got four. Billy Wagner got four. 
Jeff Kent, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa got three. Todd Helton got two. Bobby Abreu, Andrew Jones, Andy Pettit, and Manny Ramirez each got a vote. The one guy, and I know, look, the one guy on here that I would I would fight for, because Jeter's obvious, no need to fight for Jeter, okay, would be Kurt Schilling. Okay, seventh game World Series. All right, who do you want on the mound? Who? You want Billy Wagner out there? Never see him in that spot. Roger Clemens? No. Okay. Andy Pettit? No. Okay. If I wanted to win it, I'd have Kurt Schilling out there. Hall of Fame vote. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back to the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. We got Bob Buter in studio as well. Steve will be back in one sec from the Sunbury Motors studio. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Go to purdyinsurance.com or visit them at their office on Market Street in Sunbury. And Steve is from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our thanks again to Russell Baxter, profootballguru.com. If you missed any of that interview, you can check it on the show podcast later on on stevejonesshow.com. The man is a machine. I said that to Bob, I said that to Steve during the commercial break. Yeah. Uh, the amount of NFL knowledge he has, and I've had the privilege of working with him a couple of times here and there. Yeah. It's just amazing. I, I feel like I'm set now for the Super Bowl, and we're still a week and a half away. When he was starting yeah. to refer to Super and Steve, too, Super Bowls 6 and 8 and 10, I had no idea what they were talking about, and I watched them. But, you know, just to be able to have the instant recall of significant things like that, wow. Oh yeah, no, no. Bob Greasy never hardly threw the ball. No, I realize he threw he threw a touchdown pass in Super Bowl seventy. Jim Mandich. Right, he set up. Yep, yep, uh, and he set up a uh, not to Jim. He threw one to set up a touchdown. Jim Mandich threw a touchdown pass to Howard Twilley. All right, but that's it. That's uh, that's all he did. And you know the odd thing is, you know what the odd thing is about this? Okay, In, in in those two Super Bowls. Is that the best receiver on the field between Miami, the 49ers, and the Chiefs? The Dolphins of 72 73, those two Super Bowls, and the Chiefs and 49ers in the Super Bowl, the best receiver on the field would be Paul Warfield, and he never saw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Twilley was Tulsa, was he not? 
Tulsa, and he was a possession guy. Perfect compliment on the done. opposite side to Paul Warfield. That? That's good what work a, by you. What a Jim call. Manage, by the way, was Michigan. So Yes, yes. Steve, now tonight, uh, Bucknell men have a critical game in the Patriot League. They're going all the way up to Hamilton, New York to play Colgate. Colgate, the I think preseason the, favorite. Yep, and uh, the team that beat them in the Patriot League finals last season to get the NCAA tournament bid from the Patriot League. Yep. And um, surprisingly, Colgate had a, has a lot of guys back from that team, but they were upset by Lafayette, which is not one of the top teams in the uh, Patriot League this season, but yet... Like every other league that's around, there are upsets every week or every two weeks. Yeah. Um, you look at, obviously, what a. I would say that Bucknell's going to go into this thing probably a 5 to 10 point underdog. Uh, now, they're coming off a really nice win over Lehigh. All right. um, but then you look at Colgate. And where was the Laf- where was the uh, you look at Colgate? Where was the Lafayette game on the road? Yeah, that's I mean that's the name of the game. Now, what's really been intriguing though is you look at the great start that they have had to this point, and you're talking about Colgate here. Yeah, Colgate's a fourteen and five team at this point. Uh, just beat BU by nine. They had that one loss to Lafayette. Well, they just had a long winning streak. They beat Cornell. Cincinnati they beat. Columbia, American, Army, Loyola, Maryland, Eddie DeChalice's Navy team. Right? Beat all of them. Uh, They lost early to Syracuse, Auburn, and Clemson. No shame there. None whatsoever. Then they they have a game with SUNY Cortland that doesn't count. (laughs) Uh, No, no. It it literally, in terms of their... Right, it counts in their record, but it doesn't count uh, to the committee. To the committee, it's it's no game. So that game is no game. Uh, but Matt Lengel has a really good team again this year at Colgate, and they're off to a great start. I mean, Jordan Burns is a hell of a player, and let's not get to go anywhere. And Ivanoskis. These are yeah. guys who played against Penn State, so these guys I know. Yeah. Will Raymond, he's played twice against Penn State. Good inside player, plays hard. Ivan Oskis, okay, 6'10 kid who's now a senior. Jordan Burns is a really good player. He lit it up last year. In he the, destroyed Bucknell last year. In the playoff oh. championship game. He was, he was di- unreal. Yeah, and plus, you know, Steve, there's not a lot else to do on a cold night in Colgate but to go to a basketball game. They will have a big house there tonight. And unlike Bucknell students, Colgate students seem to turn out for basketball games. Bucknell students are a little bit cavalier. They basically support uh, their bison when they're on TV or when it gets to the playoffs. So there will be a hopping warm crowd tonight in Hamilton. Uh, yeah, well, you talk about uh, what to do in Hamilton yeah. <laughs> because it's so cold, okay? This is not the Bahamas. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no offense. We're not exactly at the in the Bahamas. No, it's in, and it's not Miami where South Beach is just down the road. The one thing, it's amazing how Matt Lengel, they, it's got to be difficult recruiting basketball players up to Colgate, but he's done it. Yeah, no, he's done. He's done a good. So is so is Nathan Davis. Yeah, 
Nathan Davis has all these academic standards he has to deal with yeah. uh, at you know at Bucknell because Bucknell when I and when I mean to deal with. I don't mean that as a negative. No. I just mean it is also something that is very important that does reduce the pool of players you can go after. And, and you know, the other part of the, the Bucknell uh, standards that they adhere to is there are really no red shirts at Bucknell or really no. in the Patriot League. No, no. Certainly no red shirts at Army or Navy. Uh, no. So, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to play for four years, and... Um, then you go out into the real world and start earning money. By the way, they're going to uh, retire. Uh, Matt can do the announcement because you did it Saturday night at the basketball yes, game. Yes, Mike Muscala's jersey is going to be retired on February 15th. So that's, we're very yes. much looking forward to that. Some tall we'll guy from Minnesota. What, what has he done? Anything? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he, he did a little something when he was a bison, and then he's done some things yeah. in the NBA. Yep. Yeah, you know, Steve, uh-huh. uh, the two leading. See, you know, I've said I've said this before, but uh, this will you know, this has nothing to do with Mike Mascala. I'm not big on retiring jerseys. Okay, I'm big on, on a ring of honor, where the number and the guy happens to be up there. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've always felt strongly like Mike Muscala should be in the ring of honor. But, hey, Bucknell is their own way of doing it. That's fine. It's just not my way of doing it. You know, the the two all-time leading scorers in the Patriot League are, number one, C.J. McCollum of Lehigh and Portland now. Yep. And there's 125 million reasons why he was the leading (laughs) scorer in the Patriot League. And number two is Mike Muscala, who's making, I think, about $5 this year. So, you know, uh, and you know what? C.J. McCollum never played well against Penn State, and Mike didn't play well against Penn no, State. No, the, the game that uh, at Penn no, well at Penn State, uh, he had about eight or nine points that night and just got shut down. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I, the times I saw them play in yeah. person, yeah. Okay, it wasn't the best time for me to see them play no. in person. Well, I think that night at Penn State that you saw them, I think Joe Willman had an outstanding game. Joe Willman played very well, and uh, and my favorite player of that te- uh, on that t- those teams was Bryson Johnson from yeah. Nova mm-hmm. Scotia of all places. Yeah, and I think he les- still may lead the Patriot League oh. in three points made. Marcus Marcus Carr from Minnesota's from Toronto. You're seeing more and more. You're going to see more and more Canadian basketball players. Uh, Steve Nash did a lot to make the sport really popular in Canada. Mm -hmm. And now the Toronto Raptors are going to make the sport really popular in Canada. No question. uh, By by what they did. All right. I want to get to uh, one final segment, and that deals with... The stunning sports gambling numbers, because now we're starting to get the numbers in by the states. Now that they're starting to expand, mm-hmm. and what and how the quote integrity fee is being rejected by state after state after state. Here on News Radio 1070 WKVK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Athletic did a great article on sports gambling. Listen to these numbers. Because now states can do this. And the thought right now, 21 states have some form of sports betting. They think by 2023, 40 states will have this. So listen to this. West Virginia state budget for fiscal year 2020 is $4.7 billion. Since sports betting was legalized, the state has pulled in $2.3 million in taxes from it. Okay. Now look at New Jersey, where online sports betting, of course, that, they were the first ones to do it, after Nevada, of course. It was, their, it was their lawsuit that opened the door. Since June 2018, New Jersey has brought in $47 million in taxes. Forty-seven million. I mean, now they can fix the Atlantic City Expressway. All right, so <laughs> now, bottles. Uh, there we go. Uh, okay. So in the last two years, what have sports entities tried to do? They want to get quote a one percent integrity fee. To which I said, quote, a year ago, exactly. What is their leverage? States don't have to give them any money. That would be none. They have no leverage. None. What are you going to do? You going to threaten New Jersey and move the Giants out? Uh, No. Uh, Okay, so. I had a thought, Steve, and I'm sure there's smarter minds than mine about this. But, you know, when uh, the casinos would use the copyrighted names of the teams, they could charge them with uh, abuse of the trademark. Image, in, image, name, and likeness. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, they can. They certainly could do that, but if they just put up the name New York Giants, they don't need the logo. That's all. Yeah, and that's the uh, right. the countervailing argument. But there's no right. leverage. Right, they don't have any leverage in this. Now the NFL has decided to lobby state lawmakers on its own. The NHL has been very quiet, but they've also had a presence in state capitals, but they've been under the radar. But Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the PGA have been trying, have joined forces, and they've been working lawmakers hard. They went to West Virginia, and I guess of all of them, the Major League Baseball one, they were ultra aggressive and threatened, that's it, we're going to pull out of the state. And the governor looked at him and go, Really? <laughs> really? Okay. Hey, have a good one. Uh, and, it's like, and they looked around like, because they. They don't have any leverage. Okay, so now they've got... So then they reduce the number from 1% to a quarter percent. And they still got rejected. There are 21 states with sports betting on the books. All right? Now, the league has not lobbied all of them. All right? But every single place that they've lobbied for an integrity fee, to have it be written into law, each time the law has been written, there's been no integrity fee. 
each time. They're 0 for life so far. Now, where have they decided to change up with the quarter percent? And this has now worked in three different states. They are now, for the quarter percent fee, giving them their database. Ah. Have some database. The database. What does the database include? It includes all their analytics numbers, which helps set lines. It also includes uh, their fan bases and the data on their fan bases. Ah. There you go. So that's what that's what they've been doing for the quarter percent. Uh, now the PGA Tour said we can't sell our data, so they settled on a five hundred thousand dollar fee for the first year. Then it decreases after that. So that's what they've decided to do, and it's worked in three states so far. Uh, it's worked in Tennessee, Illinois, and Michigan. Uh, now they're trying to do the same thing in Ohio, Washington. Washington State, Missouri, and a couple of other places with the coup de grace being they're trying to get New York and California. Okay? In the month of November alone, now this is the month of November alone. This is not for the year. West Virginia in the month of November, according to Legal Sports Report, $35 million was bet in West Virginia in November. Okay? $56 million was bet in Mississippi. $147 million was bet in Indiana. $316 million in the month of November alone was bet in Pennsylvania. $562 million was bet in November in New Jersey. And Nevada had $614 million. Steve, in Pennsylvania, wasn't there a move by... Penn State, Pitt, and Temple to have a fee that would go toward the cost, which are, I'm certainly, legitimate cost in educating student athletes about this new era where gambling is prevalent everywhere. And I don't know where that stands right now. That was the one thing I know that was talked about, and certainly uh, worthy of consideration. I know that... uh, Back in the day, you know, Steve, the uh, on a Saturday night before a Sunday NFL game, you'd see players in hotel lobbies and people would go there and get autographs. That's all been done away with for the most part because of security reasons. And a friend of mine that's in the NFL told me, what do you mean? And I asked him about security because people come in these hotels looking to gather information for sports gambling. Absolutely. Who's hurt? Who's yeah. on the trip? Who's, who's not? Out? Yeah. Who's sick? Right. Who's going to play? Ex- I mean, that's what they—that's what they're doing all the time. And, and, that, and, and believe me, I look. There are people I look at and go, "Fan, fan, fan, trouble, fan, fan, trouble." <laughs> I can see it. Sure. I, I can. I mean, look. How many lobbies have I walked in? All of them. <laughs> I know who I'm looking at. Right. Yeah. I'm like, again, I can go look out. Fan, like, no, was that guy's always there? That woman's always there, right? I know him, know her, know him, know her. Uh oh, trouble, bum bum bum, trouble, right? You can tell who the where the trouble is. You can see it. I mean, believe me. No offense to you, you stick out. <laughs> uh, so they're saying that by 2023, 
they are projecting, it's just a projection by U.S. sports betting tracker, that $150 billion per year will be bet in the U.S. by 2023. They're saying by 2024, pro sports wagering will be legal in 40 states. I think and the what, curve is in that direction, by certainly by all uh, reasonable um, and, information. And the leagues all thought they were going to get a really good cut of this. They are not. They've well, got to fi- they've got to figure out a way to do it. And I agree with you. Name, image, and likeness, which is being used in college. Yeah, that's what they that's what they need to do. Now, here's here. The, I think what you're finding is the NFL has been working behind the scenes with, I think, the NBA in particular about federal legislation. That's the, the only, pro- uh, that's the only way out with all these states doing their own thing. And, and here is a problem on federal legislation. If, if, I'm, a, if I'm a federal legislator, right, here's the first question I, I ask in the hearing. You already have an antitrust exemption. How much more do you need? And how much more do your billionaire owners need to but, make? But I mean, but that's what I would say. Yeah, of course. You are, in other words, I've already, okay, the United States, not me, because obviously I wasn't alive when it happened. The United States has already handed you on a silver platter the biggest slice of business you can have. And that is antitrust exemption. Yep. Right. How? I mean, so now it's up to you to make your money however you can. We can't help you any more than that. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Be, yeah. How no. much more? How much more is the federal government supposed to help them? That's They've already got an antitrust exemption. Oh, and uh, favorable tax laws on writing off players' contracts. Uh, they have all kinds of uh, public incentives that they've given for stadium financing, low, you know, not uh, low interest loans, etc. Bonds. Yeah, professional sports has done quite well. Well, and again, if I'm sitting in Congress and and they're sitting at the table, I said I want to ask each of you. Okay, what would you rather have, the antitrust exemption or the or a 1% integrity fee? <laughs> Case dismissed. Right? And, it, it, and, well, the antitrust exemption, you get some mumbo-jumbo answer. I said, no, no, no. I want one or the other. Tell me. And, of course, the antitrust exemption is exponentially more valuable. It allows all the owners to collude with each other. Yes. Yes. Hey, it's made everybody wealthy, so you don't want to lose that, do you? We could take that away and just have the integrity fee. Which one do you want? All right? You got okay, it. Okay, I think, I think the hearing's done. We can move on to something else. Okay? Yes. Hey, you know, USMCA something? No? <laughs> like something that helps America? There you go.